And I'm glad he knows me by my name. Amen. Absolutely. And I always think I'm not forgotten. He knows me. And yes. I've been through a lot. Yes. But that's a testimony for me to share. That's right. With others, you yes. know. And that's and I always say through it all I learned to trust him. Lord. Amen. So the Lord continue to bless you. Thank you very all. much, sister. Right. Bless you too. You guys know Jesus Christ? Yep. Of the Bible? You sure? Not Mormonism. So the question we have to ask ourselves is what happens when a person dies? It's very much the last taboo. Most people don't want to uh, talk about it. It's somewhat of a touchy subject. But the Bible says it's appointed unto man and woman wants to die and after this a judgment. If there's one thing which changes people's reality, it's sickness. You, you may spend years going through life with good health, full of uh, great blessings, and yet one day people get sick and eventually die. So the question is what happens when a person dies? It's going to come to all of us eventually. Ten out of ten people die. You might be interested to know that about 8,000 people die every hour all over the world. At the same time, 8,000 people are born every hour all over the world. It's about 150,000 people every 24 hours. That shows me that the, that the God of the Bible is behind everything. One group are born, another group die. This life is very brief. You hear one moment and you're gone the next. But what happens when a person dies? Well, the Bible gives you a lot of detail about what happens when death occurs. If you're saved, that's great news. You go straight to heaven. The Bible says to be out from the body is to be present with the Lord. But if you're lost, if you're not saved, you can't go to heaven. You go to hell, which is under your feet. And some people say, I don't believe in hell. And you ask yourself this, why do you use that word all the time? People say, go to hell. I've had a hell of a day. It's part of people's vocabulary. The Bible speaks about hell so many times that you can't miss it. And yet we live in a generation today which doesn't read the Bible. We live in a generation today which embraces anything but the Bible. And the truth of the matter is that the Bible is so very clear on just about every possible subject that if you miss it, it's because you're blind. You don't want to see it. And I can understand that. I wasn't always a Christian and I thought I was a good person for many years. Yes, I was religious. I went to a church for many years but I wasn't a Christian I wasn't born again and Jesus Christ said three times you must be born again you see you can take the horse to the well but you can't make the horse drink from the well the same is true of sinners you can take the saviour to the sinner but you can't make the sinner receive the saviour we call it a biblical relationship 
I can't stress the importance of how brief this life is. If 8,000 people are dying every hour, which is 150,000 every 24 hours, some of those people are young, some of those people die quickly, unexpectedly, some people die in a car crash or through an illness, doesn't really matter. The Bible says you're here one moment and you're gone the next. But it's now taboo, death. What happens when a person dies? Well, you see, man was made for fellowship with God. Man has a soul which is eternal. Because God is eternal. God made man for fellowship. But the Bible speaks about sin coming into the world and as a result mankind fell. The first man, of course, in the Bible is Adam. The second man, of course, is Jesus. If you're in Adam, that's no good. You've got to be in Jesus to be saved and forgiven. But what happens when a person dies? Well, the Bible speaks about a place called heaven, which is eternal. And the Bible speaks about a place called hell, which is also eternal. It's very true to say that mankind sends himself to hell. But why would you go there? Hell was never made for mankind. Hell was made for the devil and his angels. And some people say, well, I don't believe in the devil. Well, ask yourself this. Why is it so many music videos? Why is it that so many pop singers are obsessed with the devil? All these videos that I see online, all the main pop stars covering one of their eyes, given the horn god symbol while all these artists worshipping somebody who doesn't exist I mean ask yourself this every main artist most of the main pop stars and film stars and even politicians all swear an affinity to Satan in the Bible Jesus Christ is mentioned more times than anybody else but after him it's the devil he is mentioned so many times you can't even count them all. But you see, mankind wants to ignore the truth. Mankind wants to live in a bubble. Mankind will believe in anyone and anything but Jesus Christ. We have to get serious, people. Life is very precious. It's very brief. You hear one moment and you're gone the next. And my Bible says how it's appointed unto man or woman once to die and after this a judgment. And you may say, I don't like the idea of being judged. I'm a pretty good person. Well, let's see how good you are. The Bible says you must be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. The Bible says nobody is good but one that is God. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Put yourself next to Jesus Christ and it's going to be pitiful. He never lied, he never stole, he never blasphemed. He was perfect because, of course, his blood is divine, whereas our blood is not divine. Even if we are Christian, even if we are saved, we're still far from perfect. We stumble, we fall short of the glory of God every day. That's why we need a saviour. Let's use a courtroom scenario for a few moments, if we may, please. You've been arrested and you've been put before a judge 
and it turns out you are guilty of 100 crimes against the state. After a day in court, the judge says you are guilty. You've broken 100 crimes and I have to issue a fine of a million pounds. Now you can't possibly afford a million pounds. And yet, if you don't pay the fine, you're going to go to jail for the rest of your life. Now you know you're guilty. It could be lying, it could be stealing, it could be adultery, it could be blasphemy. <clears throat> and yet the judge says to you, I want to help you. I want to be a friend of criminals. But the Bible says that God is a friend of sinners. And the judge says to you, I have two options. Number one, I can issue you this fine of a million pounds, which you can't possibly afford, and therefore you go to jail for the rest of your life. Or, I have the opportunity to let you go free. And you ask yourself, how can that be possible? Well, the judge will pay your fine for you. You see, if you are issued, if you are issued with a fine, the state doesn't care who pays it. It could be a parking fine, it could be a council tax fine, it could be a fine for not paying your mobile phone. They don't care who pays it as long as somebody pays it. But the Bible says that 2,000 years ago Jesus Christ paid your fine for, for you. He paid your fine for you. When we speak about Jesus, we speak about him as a saviour. The word Jesus means God saves or Jehovah saves. Christ means Messiah, the Anointed One. And therefore the judge says to you, I have two options. I can pardon you, and yet at the same time allow justice to be served. Or if you don't want to receive that, I have to punish you. Now most people have some understanding of how it works in a courtroom. You may have seen many uh, crime programs, you may have been to court in the past, or maybe some of you have done prison time, I don't know. But if somebody steps into the courtroom and pays your fine for you, you are free to leave. That's what Jesus Christ has done for the sins of the world. When he went to the cross, he died in a place of sinners. It's called substitutionary atonement. And some people may say, well, I don't want somebody to do something for me. I want to do it myself. Well, ask yourself this. Let's say you had a toothache and you're in great pain and you went to your local dentist and the dentist said to you, I can't see you for seven days. And then someone turns around and says, you can have my appointment. Most people here today in Wolverhampton would take that appointment. If you're in great pain, you want to have that pain alleviated. The same is true of sin. You have a sin problem, you need to be alleviated from your sin problem. Which of course is being forgiven by Christ and the Bible calls it to be born again. As man stands, he can't go to heaven any other way. And some people say, well, what you're saying is interesting to me, but I'm still not overly sure. Where's the evidence for a creator? Well, look at creation. Look at yourself. Look at how well tuned you are. Your eyes are a very complex part of your body, along with your hearing, your immune system, your digestive system. You have a conscience. 
when you do wrong, you know you do wrong. Your conscience bothers you. That's why so many people need to see psychiatrists or psychologists. That's why so many people drink. They drink to forget. But once you've finished drinking, your pain returns. Well, how about getting born again? How about coming to the Saviour of the world and trusting him to save you? Let's say you're on a bus stop one morning and it's raining and you're late for work and somebody pulls up and offers you a lift to work. Most people would take the lift to work. Let's say you're on a bus and you're seven months pregnant and you're hot and you want to get to your place that you need to go to and somebody says, I'll give you my seat. Most people would take the seat. Most people would take a lift to work. Most people would take a helping hand. Why not take the Saviour's hand? Why not trust him to save you? When you die, you're dead a long time. And yet we've been told by pretty much everybody that it's all about here and now. That's a dangerous view to hold to. Now I appreciate for some people you might be in your 20s or your 30s and you may have another 50 years ahead of you. That's wonderful. But eventually you will die. The scripture says how it's appointed unto man once to die and after the judgment. There's no way around it. Whether you're a president, a prime minister or a pop star, you will die. But one man died, one man went into the ground and one man came up out of the ground. The Bible said he raised himself from the ground. He raised himself from the dead. And I hear people use that name as a cuss word. They use the name of Jesus Christ to express disgust. And the Bible says that man would hate the Saviour. The Bible says that man would turn his face from the Saviour. The Bible says how Christ likes every man that comes into the world. If you are a human being, you are made in the image of God. You are a reflection of his nature. And yet some people behave, uh, behave like animals. I watch the news every night, I hear some terrible stories of people behaving just wickedly. Some of those people are demon-possessed. Some of those people are just wicked sinners, depraved. They have very much fallen from the glory of God. But the purpose of today is quite simply this to preach Jesus Christ to the people of Wolverhampton to explain to you all that one day you will die and if you've got a conscience you know that what I'm saying is true there's something about the name of Jesus Christ which grates with mankind and yet you put him to any other religious person or any secular person he stands way above everybody else Let's go back to the courtroom one more time, please. The judge says to you, I've heard your defence and I've heard the prosecution's case and you are in trouble. And because I'm a good judge, I have to sentence you to jail time. But I want to help you because I'm merciful as well as holy and just and righteous. God Almighty sent his son to die for the sins of the world. 
And the Bible says if you trust in the Son of God, if you put your faith in Him, you can be saved and forgiven. It's a covenant relationship. It's based primarily on what somebody did for you, not what you do for Him. But I'll tell you this, to be saved will cost you something. It's not easy being a Christian. You'll lose your friends and your family. Some of you might lose your jobs. Some of you may become homeless. All of the apostles died for their Lord and Master. Most of the Old Testament prophets died for their faith in the one true God. But it's worth it. You lose physical friends and physical members of your family and you receive spiritual brethren, spiritual friends. But above all, you receive Jesus Christ. He becomes your best friend. You start to live for him. You start to share the good news of people. I could keep it to myself. I could say everything is good and rosy, but I'd be lying to you. The Bible says if you're not saved, you're lost. The Bible says there's weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth in hell. It's a place of everlasting shame and contempt. When you die, you don't go to sleep. You don't go to sleep because your soul is eternal. You can't go to heaven, of course, because you haven't been forgiven. You find yourself in a courtroom. You can't just walk out after you've been found guilty unless somebody pardons you. Well, Christ will pardon you if you ask him to be pardoned. If you turn to him, he turns to you. But it's quite interesting for me as I observe modern society and I see how religious people are and they are very religious by the way. They speak about God every day. They speak about Jesus Christ every day. And all these music videos have symbols in them and they worship Satan. And yet my Bible tells me that Satan's days are numbered. People sell their souls for 50 years, 60 years, and then they die and they go into eternity in the lake of fire. It doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. The Bible says if you turn to the Saviour, if you repent, it's a very good old-fashioned English word, if you repent, if you turn to the Saviour, if you believe on him, the Bible promises you everlasting life. You see, you'll spend eternity somewhere, heaven or hell. There's no third place to go to. There's no annihilation. Jesus Christ gave an account of a man from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 16, who died and went into the ground. And it says that he was in torments. He was able to see. He was able to feel. He was able to speak. And he pleads with a man called Abraham, an Old Testament patriarch, to help him, to assist him. He wants water. But above that, he wants somebody to go to his brothers and warn them about this awful place of torments, which we are told is what hell is all about. But some people say, well, I'm living in a hell now. But are you really living in a hell now? Some of you people enjoy a good meal. Some of you people enjoy the sunshine today. Some of you people enjoy a good walk. 
Some of you people enjoy spending time with your family and friends, and why not? I know I do. Hell has become a loose word. And yet, it's a devastating word. There's no hope in hell. There's only hope in heaven. But the Bible says few people are going to make it to heaven. The Bible says most of the world are going to go to hell. And yet, why go there? Why gamble your soul on maybe 50 years, or 60 years, or maybe 70 or 80 years on this earth? People say, well, all these philosophers and scientists have come along and they've disproved God and they've disproved heaven and this and that. Well, let me say this to you. There are some scientists who are Christians. There are some philosophers which are Christians. There's a man some years ago called Sir Fred Hoyle. He was the Richard Dawkins of his day. He was a great scientist from Cambridge, I believe. PhD, THD, BA. He had many letters after his name. And one day Sir Fred Hoyle became a Christian. You see, you can follow scientists if you will. You can follow philosophers if you will. You can follow pop stars and politicians if you will. But what happens when they change their minds? You look a fool, don't you? You spend all your life following other people, looking up to people like Sir Fred Hoyle or Richard Dawkins, and then one day they change their minds. Pop stars are the same, prime ministers are the same, presidents are the same. There's something about mankind which makes him religious. But until you're born again, you have the wrong kind of religion. Until you're born again, you are very much an enemy of God. And I appreciate this isn't a popular message to preach. But Jesus Christ, if they hate me, they'll hate you. The early church were martyred for their faith in the one true God. You see, to be a Christian is a great blessing. It's also a great responsibility. You see, we have to level with people. And I have to make it clear to people today, here in Wolverhampton, that if you die without Christ, you will be lost. And I don't want anybody to be lost on my watch. When we leave this town later today, I don't need anybody saying, that guy didn't tell me the truth. That guy didn't level with me. I'm trying to do it now. I'm trying to level with you now. But you see, you have a heart problem. The Bible says you are dead in your sins. The Bible speaks about you as being an unclean rag. You need to be regenerated. You need to be made alive. And that won't happen until you humble yourself. You see, as you currently stand, you are on death row. In a spiritual sense, of course. But one day you will go to a physical place called hell. And there may be, there may be uh, many routes into hell, but there are no routes out. There's no amnesty to escape hell. It's a place of great suffering. And most people, if they're honest with themselves, wouldn't want to go to heaven anyway. Most people hate God. Most people are at enmity with God. Most people are quite happy to do their own thing. I should know I was like that myself for many years. And then one day you have a reality check. One day you realise that you are in trouble. 
Imagine receiving a tax letter through your letterbox and you owe thousands of pounds. It's a shock to the system. And sometimes you need that to awake out of your slumber. Well, our job today is to wake you up. Our job today is to tell you that you are in trouble with the creator of the universe. And you might think, well, if I go to church, I'll be okay. Or if I give to charity, I'll be okay. You're simply deluding yourself. On top of that, you are trying to bribe God with your pathetic works. If you're in a courtroom and you've been found guilty of a crime, and if you are told you owe the judge or the courts a million pounds, and you say, well, Your Honour, here's 50p, that's contempt for the court. And a good judge can hold you on contempt. How much more when you try to bribe God with your works? What you need is a saviour. You need somebody to pay your fine for you. The Bible says if you're born again you are forgiven. And you have perfect peace. You have joy in your heart. You have a reason to live. But some of you people don't know what it means to be happy, to have joy. Some of you people couldn't give me 50 words to express, describe, uh, to, to express happiness or joy to me. And some of you people couldn't offer me anything in place of Christianity. So the question has to be asked, what happens when we die? Well, this is a question that doesn't really get uh, dealt with particularly well. Most people sidestep it. Most people say, well, when you die, if you're good, you go to heaven, and if you're bad, you go to hell. My friends, it's the other way around. Bad people go to heaven, and good people go to hell. Because if you're a bad person, and you turn to the Saviour, he will forgive you. But if you're a good person, then in your eyes, you don't need to be forgiven. And therefore, you perish when you die. Heaven is a place for sinful people. Heaven is a place for forgiven people. Whereas hell is a place for good people and self-righteous people. The Bible says if you call on the name of the Lord, you will be forgiven. And the Bible says you receive a new heart. You start to live for the Saviour. You take time out of your busy day to do what we are doing. And you travel to a different part of your country to preach the gospel. You try and reason with sinners to come to the Saviour, to be forgiven, to be given a new heart. And I appreciate that for some people this goes right over your heads. But we need to be honest with people we need to start with the bad news before we can get to the good news. Because death is bad news. Judgment is bad news. Punishment is bad news. But the Bible says that Christ has overcome death. The Bible says that Christ has drawn all men unto himself. The Bible says that he tasted death for every man. 
So he takes a negative and turns it into a positive. But now you have to receive it. You see, it's no good having a mental consent. It's no good saying, yes, I know who Jesus Christ is. Thank you very much. You have to believe on him. You have to receive him in order to be saved. It's a covenant relationship. I know some of you people think to yourself, well, the idea of being judged doesn't particularly grab me. Well, listen to this. Some of you people are in employment and some of you people have what's called an annual appraisal. And every year you are appraised for how you performed over the previous year. And your employer will judge you for your previous year's work. It's called an appraisal. And sometimes you'll be reprimanded and sometimes you'll be rewarded. Your employer is judging you for how you've performed over the previous year. Well, if your employer is judging you over how you performed over the previous year, why wouldn't God do it? Some of you are parents, you judge your children. You see, there are rules in society. There's rules in the workplace. There's rules in the home. There's rules with God. But mankind doesn't want to discuss this. Mankind thinks he's okay as he is. And mankind creates a God in his own image. Put yourself next to Jesus Christ. Never lied. Never stole. Never blasphemed. Never committed adultery. Never had an impure thought. He was sinless. Now ask yourself, how are you doing now? Do you come near to him? Or are you going to be honest with yourself and say you fall short? I know I do. That's why I need a saviour. I couldn't possibly stand in the presence of God and expect to go to heaven in my human state. I need to be changed. I need to be forgiven. And that happened to me 14 years ago. But unfortunately mankind is self-righteous. Mankind thinks he's okay. He creates a God in his own image and he worships that God. In this country people worship football. They worship sports. And for them that becomes their religion. And yet one day those people are going to get sick and they're going to die. And there'll be no football in heaven. There'll be no cricket in heaven. There'll be no rugby in heaven. And if you die without Christ, go to hell. And there'll be no football in hell. There'll be no cricket or rugby in hell. So what does this all mean? Well, it means quite simply this. That man has to make a decision. How do we handle this situation? Why are we here? What's the purpose of life? The Bible says you are made for the glory of God. You're made for fellowship with God. You're made to worship Him. You're made to reflect His image. And until you are saved, you are outside of the love of God. You're outside of the remit of God. 
you are an enemy of God. But the Bible says if you're born again, the Bible says if you turn to the Saviour, he will turn to you. And he'll save you. But you've got to get over yourself. You've got to realise you're no good. And you've got to be sorry for who you are and what you are. So the Bible says you must be born again. You see, your first birth was no good. You may be a good person in your own eyes. You may be a good family man, a good family woman. You may be a good member of society. But in the eyes of God, you are a sinner. But the good news is that Christ came to die for sinners. He didn't come to condemn anybody. He came to save people. So finally, the Bible allows mankind to be forgiven, to be exonerated, to receive everlasting life the moment such a person turns to the Saviour in faith. And I can tell you this, that there are so many religions in the world today that out of all those religions, only one guarantees you everlasting life the moment you believe on the one true God. Only one religion promises that. That's Christianity, of course. I wonder if some of you people are going to be desperate for this. And yet for some of you, it'll be too little, too late. Too little, too late. Why put it off? Why not get saved today? Why not turn to the Saviour today to be saved? You're not guaranteed your next breath. I start off by telling you that 150,000 people die every day all over the world. Most of those people die unsaved, unready, and they stand condemned. Few are ready, few are saved, and if you are ready to be reconciled to their Creator, So the question we have to ask ourselves is, who is Jesus Christ? The Bible says he was God and man. If he wasn't God, he can't save us. If he wasn't the creator of the universe, his death would be pointless. See, mankind is religious. Mankind knows there's more to life than this. But mankind is also very complex. Mankind likes to embrace fairy tales and myths. Mankind likes to watch television. 
and play computer games and waste their life on trivial things. Mankind wants to have a fix. Mankind wants to enjoy himself. And that of course is a great scheme that the devil has been able to introduce to get people's minds off the crate of the world. And yet God understands this. He's sympathetic. As I keep saying, he's a friend of sinners. But the problem is that sinners aren't friends of God. Sinners seem to shun God. Sinners hide from God. Look at Adam and Eve back in the garden. They fall and God comes looking for Adam. And he says, where are you Adam? And Adam is hiding from God. Why? Because he's ashamed of his sin. So the Bible says how Christ has come to seek and to save that which was lost. What a great picture of redemption. We fall and our creator heads off on a search and rescue mission. He finds us and he redeems us. That's how much he loves us. And yet for most people that means nothing to them whatsoever. Most people are so selfish, so caught up in their own little world that it means nothing to them. The Bible says how Christ wept over Jerusalem. The Bible says that God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. The Bible speaks about God weeping, being grieved, being broken over a selfish, reprobate world. And yet at the same time, he loves the world. It says how God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, Jesus of course. But whosoever believeth on him, that could be you, would not perish, which means go to hell, but have, right here, everlasting life. <clears throat> to be saved is wonderful. To be forgiven is wonderful. To have a clear conscience is wonderful. So many people can't sleep at night. They have bad dreams. They live on their nerves. They can't stop drinking or doing drugs. They're being tortured from within. And the Bible says that if you get saved, you have the perfect peace which passes all understanding. But ultimately, it's not about us. It's about Christ. Yes, there are benefits to being saved. But it's about Christ. It's all about him, not us. He saves us because he wants us to be saved and to enjoy fellowship with him. but he won't force himself on anybody. He waits for people to receive him. He waits for people to call on his name. He waits for people to repent. 
he's a gentleman. And yet, at the same time, if you get on the wrong side of him, if you cross him, if you reject him, he will be your judge one day. And it's our purpose today to present you, to present to you the saviour of the world. Take him as your friend. Take him as your brother. Take him as your loving redeemer. Don't risk losing your soul for all of eternity. There's too much at stake. As I've been preaching over the last little while, it is appointed unto man, wants to die, and after is a judgment. You can't get around it, people. You will die, and one day you will be judged. But I plead with you all, as I wrap this preach up, to take heed to what you've heard today to examine yourself to open your Bible and read it we have Bibles to give if you want one we have DVDs to give if you would like one we have tracts to give if you would like to take some we'll pray with you we will speak with you we're not here to condemn anybody but the Bible does tell you that you are already condemned but turn that, into a ne- uh, turn that negative into a positive. Turn that condemnation into exoneration. The Bible says if you're in Christ, you've passed from death unto life and there's no more condemnation on you. You are a new creature. You've passed from death unto life. But if you remain unsaved, the judgment of God abides upon you. And one day these words will come back to haunt you. It's a great thing to be saved. It's a terrible thing to be unsaved. To stand on death row awaiting sentence. But as I say, it doesn't have to be that way. You can be forgiven, you can be exonerated, and you can be granted everlasting life. And when you die, you go to heaven not because you are a good person, but because you are a very bad person who's been forgiven by a very good God.